to learn inside the Hagdama the Rebbe talks to us parents and teachers because it's impossible for us to go forward without rooting ourselves in the Torah of our Rebbe the Rebbe the Pizetz Nadeish Kaidish his whole life his short life was this Sugi of children and what he saw in Europe what he saw was happening already after the first world war the changes that were taking place that he spoke about he cried about, of course, he never would have imagined, although there were hints of it, and he sees some Ruha Kaidish that came out before the Muhammad that there was going to be a very violent interruption to the Chinuch of the children. Nevertheless, the Rebbe's words in this Hagdama are the guidelines of all the, of the entire Sugi that we're learning and we're going to be learning. And we're going to refer from time to time back to the Chavzat Alamidim, it's, it's the base work of Arbus Medrash here. We learned the whole century years ago in Chabura, but we're going to be referring back to the different places. The search of, of how to raise children and to raise ourselves with the Echel in the way of the Balshamta Bakarish. That's the Sugi that we're in. So we began, we began last week, and we're also going to have an interruption. Bo Hashem, it's going to be Shuz. The following Sunday, we're going to be in Echel Hashem for Simcha. So there's going to be some interruption after this, but we'll get started. With the Chavis Hamidim, and we have a lot, a lot, a lot to do with Shem over the coming months and years. Hopefully, we'll be able to continue doing this in Yerushalayim. Amen. Amen. So we began. We just began on page three uh, in the in the English. We're doing the English, even though the Hebrew is much more beautiful, but uh, saves time doing the in, in English. And the translation is very is very good. So the Rebbe is defining chinuch. What is chinuch? Now, any shear on the subject of Chinuch begins with Chanoich Lanar Pidarko, with Shlomo Melech, Chanoich Lanar. And here it's translated as train the child according to his way. You <coughs> read the first paragraph. But the Rebbe says, let's just review very quickly, let's go. We'll start from the beginning again. We only got, we only got one paragraph, and so we'll start from the beginning. Shlomo Melech wrote, Chanoich Lanar, Lanar, Pidarko. Train the child according to his way. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Herein lays the fundamental principle of education, the chinuch. The goal is not merely that the child should listen to and obey his father while he is still a child and under his father's jurisdiction, but also that once the child has matured and is his own master, he will not depart from it for the rest of his life. That we should be able to say things and teach things to our children and give them the kind of chizik that they'll be able to give to their children, Mitzvah. We'll keep them will keep them warm, will keep them safe, and their children safe. Education is not really a matter of commanding the child or the student, do this or do that, nor it is a matter of habit or accustoming the, chi- or, or accustoming the child to the performance of good deeds. Education is a greater and more dynamic process than, ca- than commands and habit. These two elements, commands and habit, are nothing more than tools that the educator must utilize in order to guide the child in Hashem's ways. Of course we use commands and habits, but that those are only Caleb that are in the box. That's not what education means. Those are tools that we carry with us. But we have to understand what is chinuch. So now the Rebbe explains. Again, this chazar, for many of you, I know it's a review, 
that's good. In his commentary on the verse, Rashi says in the Pasuk, in Dvarim, who is the man who has built a new house and has not inaugurated it? <coughs> so the other Torah's Loshn is, Bona Bayis Chodesh Velo Chanocho. The Torah uses the word Chinuch. Rashi explains that the basic definition of the word Chinuch, the noun derived from the root form of Chanocho, page 5, the English page 5, is a beginning. Okay, those are the Pturim, of course, the exemptions of going out to war. Person who built a house, whatever Chinachabayis means is not important for now, but it, in English is it inaugurated. But the Lashna of Chanacho or Chinach is a beginning, a beginning. Obviously, however, the word Chinach cannot always be substituted for the word beginning. For example, regarding the Pesach Haggadah, the Gemara says, Maschil Bignus, Messiah Meshavach. One begins Maschil with disgrace, with and so on, and ends with praise, that's the Seder of the Al Haggadah in such a way. And no one would suggest using the word Mechanech Bignus. There are plenty of people that are Mechanech that way, but nobody, <laughs> nobody would say that we begin that the Seder of Lel Pesach is Mechanech Bignus. It doesn't always mean to begin. Lashna Kaidish is so deep and so rich and so beautiful that there are different words and and there are worlds that separate between the, 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 those nuances between this word and that word and what each word means. So, chinuch is a lotion for beginning, but it's, but it's not the same thing as lahaschil to begin. Likewise, the Gemara Sanhedrin <coughs> says that the Sanhedrin begins maschilim from the side in the way that the, in the, way that the, the opinions were being heard from the from the Chavriyas in heaven, it says we begin maschilin also from the side. Yet the word maschilin clearly cannot be replaced with the word machanchen. There's nothing to do with chinuch. It means mamish to begin, to begin. Physically, we begin with hearing the opinion of, of that chacham. Maschilin. However, Rashi offers us further clarification in his commentary on the word chanichav. Now we're already talking about something that clearly has to do with nurturing, raising, teaching, because this is referring to his. Disciples, Chanichav. Rashi here, Chanichav. What does it mean? <coughs> Rashi, Avram Avinu had Chanichim. The Torah tells us that Avram Avinu had these people who were his Chanichim, Chanichav. So Rashi says, his disciples, Chanichav. <coughs> tell me of his disciples, meaning those whom he, Avram Avinu, educated in the performance of mitzvahs. Tell me that Avram Avinu was engaged in a tremendous project of teaching and of kids <coughs> and so on. And he had he had his chavr. And his chavr were called chanichav. And he was educating them in the performance of mitzvahs. As Chazal described to us how Avraham Avinu would do that and how he would speak to people and so on to bring them slowly into emunah. This connotes the initiation of a person or object into the trade or art for which it is destined. As in the education of a youth, the dedication of the Mizbeach, or in their inauguration of a house. So now, the Rebbe explains, once we, once we come to this Chanichav in uh, Gracious with Avram Avinu, so, so we could begin to understand that better than the word beginning, it means to initiate. <coughs> to initiate, to inaugurate, it means that there is a person who you would like to see become something, 
down the, down the line. You want him to, to become something. And the chinuch means to initiate that process, to engage the person or the child or even an object at this point of the mezbech or a bias, that, that um, it's being initiated, the initiation of a person or an object into the trade or art for which it is destined. In other words, each and every one of us is destined. We were created to be Avdeshan. To be Avdeshan. <coughs> or as we were talking about yesterday afternoon from the Ramchal, Each and every one of us was created to have a relationship with Hashem and and all that that means. And all that's part of Now, Chinuch means to to behave in a certain way vis-a-vis the children in such a way that will lead, hopefully, that will lead to that which the child is destined or was created to become. The inauguration or the chinuch of a house or the mezbeach, what does that mean? It's an object, it's a thing. But bringing it into its use, beginning its use, and bringing out the purpose for which this object was created is a lashon of chinuch. Still yet, one would not use the word chinuch to describe an artisan who begins to work if he is already an accomplished artisan. <coughs> the word chinuch would not be used, <coughs> Rabbi says, with a craftsman or an artisan who is beginning to work if he's already a person that's accomplished. In the same vein, the connotation of chinuch would not apply to a house that is in the beginning stages of construction. That's not called chinuch abayis, when you're just starting to build a house. The term chinuch is only relevant when describing someone who begins to learn a trade, he's beginning to learn the trade, we're training him, he's beginning to learn the trade, the tachlis is that he's going to be a top-notch carpenter, a fantastic plumber, whatever it is. We're initiating him in, inaugurating him into this trade. Or a house that has already been built, but is now being used for the first time. Because that's not when you're putting down the bricks or putting in some wires. In order to highlight this subtle nuance, Rashi was careful to use the phrase, for which it was destined. For which it was destined. Shuhu osid lamod ba. Shu osid lamod ba. He was not referring to the craftsmanship, nor to the task, but to the person or object themselves. He's not talking to the, to the beginning of, 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 of that person of that person learning uh, uh, the craft, <coughs> or the beginning of the house. The term chinuch is appropriate when referring to an innate talent that a person has for a certain art, or when describing the preparation of a house or object for use. It is a special word with a special definition, and it is used to describe the realization of latent potential inherent in a person or object. Now, you don't have that in wires and pipes. When the house is finished, now the house is shining with the potential of housing this family, right? That's not with the wires and the, and the wood and the, uh, and, and the plumbing. Now that we have the house, the purpose of this house is to provide shelter and warmth for the family. So we are mechanichet 
and that's the initiation, it's to describe the realization of latent <coughs> potential in the house, in the house, for a person or an object, page 7. <coughs> if we fail to actualize that potential, it will remain concealed forever. So if nobody moves into this house and it's neglected, so it has all of the properties of a house, but it's not really a home, because nobody lives there. Our mission is to be mechanech. <coughs> now, coming back to children and ourselves, our mission is to be mechanech, which means to educate the person so that he will become an accomplished craftsman, <coughs> to repair the house so that each room fulfills its intended purpose. That's what chinech means. Or to prepare the instrument so that it performs the function for, it, for which it was designed, for which it was created. That's what chinech means. When the word chinech is used in the context of educating children, it means to nurture the inherent character and talents that lay dormant within the child are only partially <coughs> realized and to develop them. That's what we were learning the past few weeks. Alufeinu misubolim. The, the emunah that we were talking about, that emunah zitacha, say the zroi, mamen mechaylom b'zareh, the last thing we spoke about is that a child, a nar, is also called an elem, right? We spoke about that last week. It means that there are kochos that are ne'elomim, that are hidden in each child. There are kochos that are ne'elomim. The parents are the farmers who were sent into the world to <coughs> draw out the kochos and ne'elomim in this child, in the Elam, in the Nar, Na'er, to awaken, to awaken the Kochos HaNe'elamim B'Nar. Remember, in the Elam, the, 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 the way to do that is with Emuna. That's what the Gemara is teaching us. Taisus, the Gemara Taisus over there. With Emuna, with Emuna. Ma'amin B'Chai Olamim, remember the Chidush said? That in this child is Chai Olamim. There's Chai Olamim, in this child. In the Elam, there is Ne'elam, the Chai The job of a parent is how to be Minna'er, to awaken his snari, and to draw out from the Elam, the Kochos Ha'Ne'elamim of that particular child. The way to do that, the main instrument that we have in doing that is Emun. We have to learn a lot more about that, is Emun. These are the inherent character and talents that lay dormant within the child are only, are only partially realized, and our job is to develop them. To develop them. And since the spirit of Hashem lies concealed within the soul of every Jew from the time he is a child, it is our responsibility to raise and teach him to discover it, to extract it, and, and cause it to flourish. That's what Chinuch means. The child is destined to be a tzaddik. Amech kulam tzaddik. When Chazal say Amech, the Pesach, says, Amech Kulam Tzadikim, it doesn't have that difficult kid in your family or in the class, it doesn't say Chutz meat. it doesn't say that. Like I told you, when I, was, when I lived in Eretz Yisrael, so we had, there was a big, I was in, this, I was in the yeshiva in Petah Tikva, uh, I was like an Israeli kid, and I was with all the other Israelis, there was only one other American in my class, and he was crazy, so I was, <laughs> it, it was all Israelis, I, maybe I was also like that, but I, I, it was all Israelis, and I was in this Israeli yeshiva, in Petah Tikva, and, uh, and you know, that's just so they do it every day, right? 
And uh, we had the uh, Svardim and Ashkenazim in that yeshiva, mostly Ashkenazim, but there were some Svardim. And there were these two Svardim that Mamish had a war with each other, Mizrahi and Amrami. They were like at war with each other. It was at Mamish of Muhammad. And um, Mizrahi, Mizrahi was a coin. And he went up to Duchen and he said, Yerach Hashem V'yashemrachah, with the whole nigga, and he said, Chutz Me'amrami. Really? Yeah. From the Duchen, he said. It's eighth grade. Eighth grade. Eighth grade. Eighth grade. He said with the whole nigga, Yerach Hashem V'yashemrachah, Chutz Me'amrami. So the uh, Rosh Hashimah's guy, Akiva Gross, he... He wore boots and carried a stick. I'm not joking. He wore boots and he carried a, a, a stick. And he and he grabbed him with the talisman and film. He pulled the kid down. He started hitting him. <laughs> so, so there, there's there's no chutz me anybody. Amach kulam sadikim. Kulam, there's no chutz. Amach kulam sadikim. Hashem's people are kulam sadikim. The, the problem is that the tzaddik is ne'elam, and in some kids and in some adults, the tzaddik is more ne'elam than in others. It's more hidden than in others. Our responsibility is to raise and to teach him to discover that nakuda that's called chai olamim. Chai olamim. To discover that nakuda within himself, and to teach him how ultimately he has to be the one. He's the balabas. He has to be the one. We could help. And we'll do everything we can to give them the right sunlight and the right water and everything in the right environment. We'll do everything we can. But the kid has to learn to take care of himself. But first, we, he, to help him to discover this and to extract it and to cause it to flourish. Only then will he become a devoted servant of Hashem. He will develop a yearning for Torah that comes from within. From within. Not that's forced upon him. You see, the Rebbe says, only then he will become a devoted servant of Hashem. He didn't say, only then will he become a brilliant Lamdan. You notice that, right? Whether he'll become a brilliant Lamdan, for some people it is to become a brilliant Lamdan. And, and, uh, for he will become, he'll develop his own yearning for Torah. Whatever chalik of Torah that is. For some is this chalik, for others is not a chalik of Torah, but to, to, that comes from within. And even when he is old, he will not depart from it. He won't depart from it because it's him. So you won't depart from it. On the other hand, one who uses commands or even conditioning, so conditioning is a more sophisticated way of commanding. Uh, if you want to say it in a nice way, modifying behavior. Right? That sounds even better, right? Than conditioning. Behavior modification. Behavior modification is a fancy way of saying, you better do what I say. <laughs> This is the nice way of saying it. It's called behavior modification. Right? So, <coughs> I discovered somewhere along the way when I was in college that a lot of the stuff that we had to take was just fancy ways of saying regular, regular things. Right? And that's what it is. So, commanding <coughs> or conditioning can never, if you do that, you can never be sure that the child or student who has been commanded or conditioned will continue to act accordingly even after he has grown and achieves independence, why don't you try looking at the guy's Ben Hasmana? I always use that as an example. How much of the conditioning or commanding to learn Torah took root in the child if Ben Hasmana doesn't want to pick up a safer? He can't look at a safer, Ben Hasmana. Then what happened? <clears throat> to the conditioning, the commanding, the behavior modification. Lemaisim, when the kids off from yeshiva, 
He's done. He's finished. He doesn't want to see. He doesn't want to see Gemara. He doesn't want to look at uh, Tysus. He's finished. So the 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 problem is that problem of Gamki Yaskin La Yosumi It doesn't mean when he's an old man. It means like right about how about right after the Zman. You have to wait till he's seventy. Gamki Yaskin just means when he's past this stage of education. So what our what our kids or what the boys especially what do their lives look like ben hazman when they're not being commanded or when the or when the kids are not in the parents orbit when the kids are away from the parents how do they conduct themselves how do they behave when they're not in that place where you know paro is standing over them how do they how do they conduct themselves in that place that's what Shalom al meant when he said, if it's Al-Pidarko, then it's Gam Kiyazgin. Gam Kiyazgin doesn't mean only when he's an old man, it means when he's not with you. When he's not, when he's in camp. When he's at work. Or when he's, out, he's, not, in, he's not in yeshiva. So, Lo Yosser Lo Yosser The child will be attached to that because it's Al-Pidarko. And when it's Al-Pidarko, it resonates with him, within him. It's who he is. Because you've helped him discover who he is. And that is why Shlomo Melech instructed us to train the child according to his way. Prepare him. Penetrate his very being. And discover that spirit of Jewish holiness that lies hidden within him. Then and only then, even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Shlomo Melech did not only inform us of the purpose of education, which is to bring the child to the point of even when he is old, he will not depart from it, with the words, Chanoch Lanar Alpidarko, train the child according to his way, he also explained the crux of the issue, the tools of the trade. What does that mean? An educator who merely uses commands, page 9, an educator who merely uses commands and conditioning doesn't really have to pay attention to the child or student. Nor does he have to acquaint himself with a character or intellect. Do you ever have a teacher like that? Said, you ever have a teacher that wasn't like that? <laughs> I mean, in other words, he doesn't have to, it's not given who the kid is. I was just talking to a friend of mine a few minutes earlier. He doesn't have to talk to the, it's not, this is not about the kid. This is about the shia that I want to give, right? It's about the Torah that I want to say. It's not about the student. It's not about the kid. So, one thing that, that teachers know is a challenge there's a big difference between teaching, let's say, a class where you have 20, 30 kids, right? And let's say tutoring one kid. Tutoring one kid. So if you ask somebody, what's a greater challenge for an educator? To teach a class of kids or to tutor a kid? What would you say, Kevin? Auditors. Huh? Class. Teaching class is a greater challenge. So there are 25, 30 kids. No, you're mainstream. Absolutely not. How to reach somebody. Anybody that's ever done that, that's done both, knows that tutoring is much more of a challenge. When I say challenge, maybe you misunderstood. I don't mean disciplining and handling and, and all that stuff. Of course, it's more tiring because you've got to do a lot of stuff because there are 30 kids. Getting through. But when it comes to, when it comes to the panemius of chinuch, it's not even a question. When you're in a class and there are 30 kids, you don't really have to speak to any of them. And there are lots of teachers that do that. They just say their thing. You have the blackboard. I had, I, had, I had an old professor of Jewish history in, in, uh, in college that he, he said the exact same, for 50 years he was giving the exact same thing. 
the exact same jokes, the exact same shir, everything was exactly the same. And they figured out, the guys figured out after a while, he was teaching two tracks of this, and he would always begin each, each class, the Jewish history, he would ask, where do we leave, he was, well, he was a very troubled person, he would say, where do we leave off last Wednesday? And we'd always tell him the same place. <laughs> the same place. And he, would say, and he would say the exact same shir, he did this around seven or eight times, the exact same thing, and he would say, that the, he would say you know, you're you're very stupid because the other class is way ahead of you. <laughs> Let's keep this up as long as we can. We kept him, we got it to 11. 11 times he said the exact same shit. And some guy must have said something to him. And he got very angry and it was a whole big thing. But he, he said, you're a very stupid class. They're so, far, they're so far ahead of you. 11 classes, the same class. It's cruel, no? <laughs> from both sides. It's cruel from him, it's cruel from us. So, it had nothing to do with the kids that are in the class. He's trying to uncover the kaikas of this student. Now, when you're, when you're sitting with a kid and you're tutoring a kid, kashem alem. You understand what that means? Kashem alem means you can't, like, uh, not pay attention to the kid. Right, you, you have to, you're almost forced to try to be tuned into the child. Now, Shani Kenny was 30 kids, you could just like talk to the island. You could just talk to the island. And if, if you like, it's like you throw it out there, and if it happens to hit somebody, then that's good. And, and, it, and if it doesn't, it's like a machine gun. You go, you try it. If, it, if, if it works, it works. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. When you sing with one kid, <coughs> when you sing with one kid, so, so and, you, and you're trying to move ahead with him, and, and you say, okay? And he says, no. <laughs> or you see after a second, he doesn't get it. In a class, you can get away with that. You just keep on going. You just do, do your thing. My, my daughter's taking a class in chemistry now. She says that the, the teacher has no interest at all of where anybody understands her. Never asks her. Seems to have not the slightest bit of interest whether any of the kids in the class are following. Doesn't ever ask, is that okay? Do you understand? Just says the spiel. Just says the spiel. Gives over the spiel. Says over the tire. That's it. So, if you get it, you get it. If not, then you're stupid. <laughs> That's all. And you get tutoring and you got to get other books. And, uh, whatever. That's what's going on. There's never been as much tutoring in history as now. The tutoring is unbelievable. I'm sure many of you are spending more money almost like tuition on tutoring. Because something's not going right in the class. So then you have to, you have to, with the tutoring. And then, and then now there's, there's tutoring, and then there's mentoring. Because we have to find someone that's going to talk to the kid. <coughs> teach the kid, and talk to the kid. And, and now and, and we have the, all these new jobs that are, to, to take the place of a parent and a rabbi. Tutoring and mentoring and so on. I'm not saying it's easy, it's very hard. But you can't compare a classroom to tutoring one-on-one. It's not, ain't a diamond. The, the, how, the, the strain on the person to, to get it across, because you feel that you have to get it across. In the classroom, you could hide. You could play that game of just uh, saying the Indian. And as long as there are one or two guys in the class, that they have, right? You got the fast guys in the shear. So the Rebbe, the Rebbe starts in a conversation with the fast guys in the shear. Any of you ever been in this situation? No. The Rebbe starts to have a conversation <laughs> with those two, three guys. The two, three guys, they're, 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 they're good. They know how to learn, right? They're sharp. So the Rebbe gets into this two, three, with the two, three guys. He has a whole shock of attire. 
the rest of the guys are like having races in the riff, you know, before the round. Like we used to do that. In the back of the Gemara, you did that? In the back of the Gemara, the race was how to get, how to get through without touching any letters. <laughs> get from the bottom of the round to the top of the round without touching any letters. You see the back of our Gemara is unbelievable. <laughs> All the races are going on. And the Rebbe goes, listen, now we had other, we had, we had, we had, we had there were two or three, not even, there weren't even two or three guys that were getting it. It was just the Rebbe was saying stuff, and nobody was there. Everybody was doing stuff. It didn't make a difference to the Rebbe. It didn't make a difference to him at all. He just said his thing. He was enjoying it. He loved Tyre, and he was saying his thing. And, and, uh, and, and if he never knew, he would say, he'd say, here's the... Reb Shimon Zokazai. You hear Reb Chaim? You hear this? And we'd all go, yeah. And all racing up the run. Racing up the run. You hear this? You hear this? You hear this from Akiva Eger? Every now and then, he would, like, he would ask us, you hear Reb Akiva Eger? We'd say, yeah. <laughs> That was it. I'm not talking about one year, two years, three years, five, seven, eight years of this. <coughs> so when you're, when you're in a class, when you're in a class, sometimes this happens if you have Kanana or a lot of kids in the house too. If you have an only child, <laughs> if there's an only child, that's what some of us say. Those kids, the only children, they're either the most, most, most hush or the, or the craziest. <laughs> Depends on the parents. <laughs> the most hush of a kid, the only kid, the only child. Also, the kids, the parents, it could be like, because if, the if there are a lot of kids in the house, then the parents could divide the insanity among everybody. <laughs> the parents are crazy, and, and there's only one kid, then the kid gets the whole thing. But if it's done right, with a single kid, with an only kid, it's Kavaldi. But you could have the same thing like in the classroom. You could have, if there's a large family, the father, the mother, they could just parent without really ever getting to the bottom of anybody. Just like the Shia. And every now and then you say, you, you got it? They could say, yeah, we got it. And, and then you turn around. It's not what you expected at all. Because while they're there, they'll play along. They'll play along just like we did with the rabbi. They'll play along. But when it comes to the Bechina, it's hard to fake. And in life, there are much more serious Bechinas than the ones we took in school. <coughs> so when it comes to the Bechina, what happens to this kid when he's left alone without mommy and daddy, when he's not being commanded or conditioned, and he's left alone, and he's got to take care of himself, and he's left by himself, how is he going to deal with this Yetzirah, with this Taiva, what's he going to do? So that's a very different story. So that's what the Rebbe said. It doesn't, it commands a condition, it doesn't really have to pay attention to the child or student. <clears throat> when you're in a classroom, or even when you're in a house, and you're commanding, you're commanding and conditioning, <coughs> you're just doing that stuff, that mahalach, the old mahalach, it doesn't really have to pay attention to the child. But I'm going to say, like my Jewish history teach, I'm going to say my thing, either you get it, you don't get it. I have my mahalach, that's it. Nor does he have to acquaint himself with their character or intellect. Therefore, in college, you could have a lecturer, and there are a hundred kids in the class. And, and you, could have, uh, you could have a shear, well, so, uh, 30, 40, 50 guys, whatever it is. And the Rebbe does not have to acquaint himself with, with the Bachar, <coughs> to get to know the Bachar better, to understand who is this Bachar, to try to work with the Bachar. doesn't have to. In the classroom, one-on-one, -on -one you have to do that. But in the classroom, all he has to say is, do such and such, and that's all. And you could do that in the Gemara Shia too. And since the Jew, they're, they're Jewish kids, they're bright, they'll memorize stuff, and they'll, they'll, they can do well in the Bechidus too in the Gemara. They're smart, they'll, they'll do okay. But did you make this person into a Jew? Did you make this kid into a Yid? Did you make him Hamish into a Yid? 
Did you bring out the Chayol Omer, the Tzadik, Amach Kulum Tzadikim? Did you bring out that, what's Nelam and the Elam did you bring out? Or did you just condition a kid to memorize a few Blad Gemara and to, uh, and, to, and to spit it back? Because kids are smart, they can do that. A lot of kids can do that. He doesn't feel an obligation to care for each and every student on an individual basis either. He's a market chief. Since he is the central authority figure, he can give a single order to an entire class and be done with it. That's exactly what I was describing. When it's an entire class, you give an order. So, come on. But if a teacher wants to discover his students' souls, their hidden inner reality to nurture and inspire them to transcend the mundane, to be able to bring out from the child that realization that a Jew is stronger than Teva, a Jew can overcome his Teva, a Jew doesn't have to look at that filth on the computer, a Jew is strong, a Jew has tremendous, tremendous kaifas. If, if he wanted to become such a person, to nurture and inspire them to transcend the mundane, to transcend Teva, so their entire beings will grow in sanctity and kedusha, and yearn for the master of the world. Yeah, this is what the Rebbe wanted to raise. This is, the, the, this is what he wanted. This is the education. To raise Jewish children, that their entire beings will grow in sanctity and yearn for the master of the world. And yearn for the master of the world. Then he must be willing to be flexible. Can't be just the way he wants to do it, or the way he was taught by his rabbi. He must be willing to bend emotionally towards his students. And all this is with parents as well, of course. He must be willing to bend emotionally towards his students. He has to penetrate and move beyond their childishness until he reaches the hidden spark of their souls. Then he can bring out that spark, nurture it, and make it grow. Then he can nurture it and make it grow. <coughs> Since this is the case, it follows that the process of education will not be uniform for all children. That's why tutoring is harder than being in a class, because being in a class, you can just give the, the, you can just give the spiel. But when you're with the kid one-on-one, you have to deal with that kid. Rather, it will depend on each child and his individual nature, mind, character, etc. It is the responsibility of the teacher to acquaint himself with them. It is not enough for the teacher to know his own self, because he will not only be utilizing activating his own mind and capabilities to instruct and teach, but those of his students as well. He won't use the same approach for two students, who possess different natures, desires, characters, etc., and that is what Shlomo Melech was alluding to when he said, Chanoch lenar al darko. Train the child according to his way, according to the individual ways of each and every child, page 11. We are not referring to the art of teaching known as, as uh, pedagogia, the methods through which a teacher utilizes the child's mind and broadens his knowledge of Torah. For, for it is not the student's mind alone that we are trying to reach. That, of course, is important. And the Rebbe, by the way, was a master pedagogue, was a master teacher, a master teacher. In, in other words, in terms of giving over the seichel and, and, and being, a, being a great teacher. He was a great teacher. He was a brilliant person. He was a great teacher. And there's a tremendous skill of how to give over something and say it with the seichel and how to explain things and, and, and so on. Utilize the teacher's mind and broadens his knowledge of Torah, for it is not the student's mind alone that we're trying to reach. Remember, the Rebbe's talking about Chinuch. Chinuch means that I am tra that I am training the child to 
and bringing him along that path to the ultimate goal. What is the goal of this chinuch? The goal is, is it to produce a, a brilliant, heartless, empty shell? Or is it to produce, if he's brilliant, fine, but a brilliant hard sigeid, it's an evidence Hashem. What's my goal? What's the goal of raising our children? What do we, what do we want? How do we see ourselves as being successful? It's not just the mind, the Rebbe says, that we're trying to reach. Our goal is to get in touch with the student's entire being. With the student's entire being, with his essence. We want to take hold of the nefesh ruach and the sham of this Jewish child and connect them to Hashem so that he will grow to tremble at the word of God. Chared l'dvar Hashem. That's what it means to be really a charedi. It's not about, it's not about hats and jackets. To be a Jew that mamish is charid l'dvar Hashem. Trembling at the word of God, to be, to be God-fearing, to be an elechiyid. And channel all his desires towards him, towards Hashem. Each and every parent and teacher knows that the small children and young students who stand before them today will not remain small and young forever. They will grow up to be adults, and they might even achieve greatness in Torah and Avodah Hashem. Despite this obvious <coughs> fact, there are those whose goals focus only on that which appears before them now in the present. And it's very hard for parents and teachers to think beyond the present because it's so hard just to deal with the kids day to day, just to get them to go to bed and to get up and to take care of themselves and to, and to do their homework, and you get very, very lost in the moment. And since those who appear before them now are children, now this is what happens to us. We're not thinking about the goal. We're not thinking about this kid as an adult. We get, we get so caught up in him being a kid. So that makes us into children ourselves. And since those who appear before them are children, they focus on teaching them to be good children. To be good children. As a result, the level of Torah and Yerushalayim that these teachers strive to impart is commensurate with their students' level of maturity or lack thereof. Such teachers consider this to be sufficient, that they should be good children. The Rebbe had much bigger, bigger plans. And he wants us to have bigger plans for our children. Of course, to pay attention to the fact that they're kids. He talks a lot about that. But much bigger plans. But this type of parent or teacher is committing a grave sin against both Hashem and Klai Yisrael. Parents and teachers have to be aware that their mission is to discover and nurture children of Hashem and Gedali Yisrael. These are not stout kids. These are children of Hashem. These are potential Gedali Yisrael. It doesn't mean a Gedali Yisrael. Like a, it means great, great Jews. They must view their children and students as great neshamas that are still immature and themselves as responsible for helping them to flourish and grow. Parents and teachers are gardeners who are charged with the task of cultivating and protecting Hashem's garden. They may come across disciples who, as far as they can tell, are disobedient and of poor character. And they must bear in mind that just as fruits are bitter as they grow, but sweet and succulent once they have ripened, so are Nishamits. The Baal Shem Tev and his followers taught us that there is no such thing as a Jewish child whose very nature or whose particular characteristics are absolutely evil. There is no such thing. There cannot be such a child. There's no such thing. The trick is to know how to utilize and nurture them. Take, for example, a student who is, partial, who is particularly stubborn and gives his teacher an extremely hard time. This teacher should look ahead and imagine how this student will serve Hashem with tremendous commitment and tenacity. Once he has grown up and accepted the Torah of Hashem upon himself, it means he has such a teva. That means he's a kshayarif. He's a kshayarif. When he's going to be an adult, he's going to be a Jew that's a kshayarif. Meaning, he'll be an Ebed Hashem 
no matter what. He'll be strong. He'll be a, a big Ebed Hashem. The world will not be able to get to him because he's a kshayar. Now, when you see him as a kid and you just want to be a good kid, then a little kid is a kshayar, is the, is the greatest curse of a parent to ever teach him. Right? He's a kshayar. So what, do, what does the usual parent or teacher try to do? To break the kashi yisayur, you understand? How do I break that midah of him being a kshayar? If Reb Chaim Brisk is midah of being a kshayar, because he was a, the stories that we have, he was an unbelievable kshayar and a very difficult child. If his midah of being a kshayar would have been broken, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have had Reb Chaim Brisk. He wouldn't have been a Reb Chaim Brisk. So, so we want that kshayar. We want the tenacity. We want... That stubbornness. The question, of course, is always is now how do, what do I do with that? But if you just want to, if you just want to be a good kid, then a good kid is like an easy kid. That's how we define a good kid. A good kid's an easy kid, right? Easy means you tell them to do something. It's, yeah, there are kids like that. It's a good kid. So that's how we define a good kid. We don't define the Rabbi Brisker in the family as the good kid. He's a difficult kid. So we want him to be a good kid, just like his sister. So you should be a good kid. The good kid says, yes, mommy, yes, daddy. And we want him to be a good kid. So the only thing we could do, how do we define a good kid? A kid that says yes. A kid that does what you want. So therefore, what the typical parent of every does is to break that, that, that tenacity. Now, tenacity, kashis ayrif, that, that mida is a gewalda gemida in Avadis Hashem. It's a very holy thing. He was created. He was programmed <coughs> for that mida. And what parents usually do, often do, is they dafke, try to crash through that and to break that and to cause that meter to disappear. <coughs> In which case, you have not only stunted the growth of this flower in Hashem's garden, but you pretty much destroyed this flower in Hashem's garden, whatever's going to become of it. Just to finish the paragraph. This teacher should look ahead and imagine how this student will serve Hashem with tremendous commitment and tenacity once he has grown up and accepted Torah and Hashem upon himself. He won't be an ambivalent, wishy-washy Jew. He won't. This, this, this tough kid, he's not going to be a wishy-washy Jew. He's going to be a kshayar. <clears throat> this kid is like Hashem or Labal, you understand? And if, and if you got him over to Hashem's side, he's not moving. He's tough. He's not wishy-washy. He will be, as the Madras states, standing firm as a wall. Standing firm as a wall. <coughs> In the face of trials. A Yosef HaTzadik. A Yosef HaTzadik. He doesn't give in. Not like nowadays, everybody's this Nisai, this Nisai, I can't, I can't, it's hard, I can't, I can't, wishy-washy. No, no kaychis, I was talking about on Shabbos. <coughs> no kaychis to stand up to Nisyainis, to be able to fight against Nisyainis. Just weak and wishy-washy. Could be that that kid, could be that, that this person, the had a certain stubbornness and a certain arrogance, that, and the parents didn't deal with it the right way, and just went into other things. And when it comes to Avodah Hashem, they don't have, they're wishy-washy. They're not strong. They don't have strong kaychas and stands on, on the Ram Shavagdusha. In all matters of Avodah, he will be strong as a fortified wall. If a teacher or parent sees that a child has a bad temper, it's true that at this point the child is using his temper in an extremely <coughs> negative way. But does that give justification for writing the child off as someone whose very nature is rotten to the core? Would we not laugh at someone who, after being told how delicious the esrig is, took a bite of an esrig seed of an unripe fruit and then yelled and complained about how awful it, is, it, it tasted? It's not right. 
Can teachers or principals? Sorry, I take another five minutes. Can teachers or principals possibly imagine that they, uh, can possibly imagine the as yet untapped wealth that they can draw out of a student's bad temper? Once they succeed in penetrating his inner self and bringing him closer to Hashem, it's hard. And inspiring his heart and soul to become dedicated to him, Tashem. The child's anger will transform itself. Every act that such a child performs in the service of Hashem, each word of Torah and tefillah that he utters, will burn with a fiery devotion. See the set of the Rabbi Latanya, where he explains in the Kagavna, the flame of anger emanates from the flame that burns in the heart. A person who is by nature hot-tempered can utilize that characteristic in the form of burning, of burning devotion to the service of Hashem. That's the olive base of, of their Hashem. Needless to say, not all the educators in the prof- are talking about this, but this is their Hashem. Needless to say, if such refocus occurs within a person, when he discovers a blemish or fault within himself, he will be filled with an anger and fury that will stir his Yetzir HaTov to action and will help him banish and even destroy the evil from within. He has that temper. He has a fire. And he'll fight against the bad that's within himself. And if he finds it necessary to criticize or rebuke his friends, he'll be able to refrain from putting them down or speaking to them angrily. He will speak to them in simple words, but because his heart is so filled with a passionate dedication to Hashem, those words will have a profound influence on his friend's souls because he's got a passion. And a passionate Jew can affect other people, can be mashpia, the biggest mashpia with the most passionate people. Now that, if it's left untended to, could be just an angry guy, an angry, destructive person. But when we work with that temper and that passion, you have a person who is the most valuable, valuable asset to Am Yisrael. Can mamish turn lives around because he's on fire. He's on fire, and that fire could be a fire to build. It could be a fire to destroy. And their faults and imperfections will be uprooted and will melt away and will melt away. And then the Rebbe goes on to describe. We're not going to go over that, but the Rebbe goes on to describe what was happening in the world that he lived in as a result of this not being the type of and all the kafir mm. and the apikarsis and the parents getting angry, how come the kid's not doing what I say, the kid's not listening, the kid's not obeying, <coughs> how come they don't want to learn, how come they don't want to daven, 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 learn, 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 and the Rebbe says, don't ask why it changed. Because everybody's saying, it used to work, it used to work. <coughs> Let me just end with this word that I told you last year, just to remind you of this word, that I, that I heard that somebody went to the, uh, somebody went to the Racham Stufke Rebbe in Borough Park, he's a big tzaddik, he needs a refuel. his name is Rebbe Yitzhak Chai, so, so somebody went to the Racham Strivka and he brought a friend of his, a Chassidja guy, this Chassid brought a Chassidja guy that introduced to the Rebbe, and he wanted to give the, be- the biggest compliment he could to this Chassid, to his friend, and said to the Rebbe, this year, this year is a Fatsaitish Chassid. What does it mean, Fatsaitish Chassid? Old time Chassid, like you know? From the old days, like he wanted to say, like the real, a real chassid, <coughs> from the old, an old time chassid. So the Racham Stufke looked and he said, Fatsaitish chassid. He said, it says in the Haggadah, Metchila, Fatsait, Metchila, Oyvdev, Vadazar, Oyvdev. Ba'ata, Kevada, Mokhna, Vadaz. You hear what the Racham Stufke said to him? He said, Don't tell me Fatsaitish chassid, I'm not interested in that. Mitchila, that way of thinking, the Rebbe was saying, that I'm going to do things the way that it was Mitchila, that's called Avadazar. What was Mitchila? It doesn't work now. Mitchila, the kids can be raised a certain way with commands and other. Mitchila, if you're going to stick to that Mitchila, the Fatsaitisha, that Mitchila, the Rebbe said, that's Avadazar. How you have a sign? The Indian of being a parent or Rebbe is what? One word. Ve'ata. 
Ayin Tav Hei. Va'ata means what? Now. Now. Who's this kid? Now. Forget about this used to work. My father told me to do this and I did it. What's going on? The parents said, I can't understand. How can the kids not? I don't understand. I did. I did. I was. How come he's not? I, that's that's mitchila. Avatzaytesha is oivde avadazaro. You're saying the ikur is va'ata kervana makom avadazaro. How can I this moment be makar of this kid? Who this kid is and where we are right now in tavshinayin va'ata va'ata. Same thing. We can't have any of the, the kids can't ever. All the instruments are banned. No, nobody's out to have a cell phone. All these things. It's not working. It's not working. They have it. If all the parents would agree, and the whole shtetl would say, no technology, we could do that. Then the, the, the kid wouldn't see anything, he would never hear of anything, and none of them would have this stuff. But the second that one of the kids in the class has it, it's for following. So what are we going to say? Chosid doesn't look at that, never, never touched the cell phone. Because we're not getting it, we're not, it's not working. So you have to think of Eitzes, of Atta. What can we do? What can we do? And it's always much harder than just to shut everything down. It's much, much harder. The new way of Chinech takes much more time and patience. The old way was do this, don't do that. The new way takes much longer and much more patience. But that's what Hashem wants before Mashiach comes. He put us into such a matzif that this is our Vaidah now. It's not just for our kids, it's for ourselves as well. Hashem is both should help us to be this Amen. Amen.